3: As we welcome you along to the programme and that status yellow wind warning for Ireland that was lifted at nine o'clock this morning as the third storm cleared the country. And then we're told, not great news from Met Aaron, we're going to dip into sub zero temperatures. There's even the chance of some snow, certainly the chance of frost as we head into this uh, week. The weather is taking a polar turn. God, that's just what we need to hear on a Monday morning. Met Aaron are saying that from Wednesday night, Rain will clear and that's going to make way for sleet, possibly snow, but the snow is going to be mainly on higher ground. But temperatures are expecting on Wednesday night they're going to dip to about minus two uh, degrees. But it was the third storm this weekend and while we've had a number of storms last year and indeed the year before, it's understood that this is the shortest space of time that Ireland has ever had to deal with three storms in such quick succession Uh, we started with Dudley we got respite for about 24 hours and Eunice arrived we barely saw the back of Eunice when Storm Franklin arrived and of course with Storm Franklin at the weekend thousands of people had been planning midterm getaways because it's a midterm break in most schools for this week and there was disruption on ferries there was disruption on uh, flights and of course in the midst of all of that for people who were doing staycationing there was uh, treacherous driving uh, conditions now a number of flights were disrupted yesterday there was delays there was cancel. I saw diversions due to the storm. It wasn't just yesterday I saw there was one flight out of Cork on Saturday I think it was going initially to Gatwick they ended up in Edinburgh uh, most of the passengers stayed on the plane they were left sitting on the plane in Edinburgh they weren't allowed to get off the plane I think it was well after 6 o'clock before they finally got to uh, Gatwick it's a disastrous day for travelling and I saw one uh, woman on social media she was travelling with a 4 year old child that's a long long day to be stuck on a plane and actually some of those disruptions particularly the flight ones are continuing into this morning because there was a number that were cancelled yesterday and God help anyone who was out on a ferry on the high seas I know a number I know I'd, Irish Sea and uh, Line; they were all forced to cancel afternoon and evening ferries from Dublin to Hollyhead but I did see some ferries arrive on Saturday and just somebody put up I'd videoed a ferry coming in. I don't know what port it was coming into, and it was just swaying and bobbing around. And I was looking at it, and I almost got motion sickness just watching the video. God help anyone that was on a, a ferry. So if you are travelling today, particularly out of the airport, I would be suggesting that you contact, check well in advance because there will be some further delays uh, today. Uh, text or WhatsApps are open this morning at oh eight six two one zero three one. 03, are you a fan of Dancing with the Stars? Did you watch it last night? And last night was the first of the dance-offs of the year. I you know everyone did reasonably well, but when you're watching this program, there are some dancers who just are. Some of the celebrities, they're naturally better dancers than others, and you can see it literally from their first dance. And there's others who might start off with two left feet and they will improve and they will get better but there's always a few sort of the cream always has a tendency to rise to the top on this programme so I watched with interest last night and when I got to the dance off I have to say my jaw dropped because to me two of the better dancers two of the better celebrities were in the dance off and it was young Missy Keating who I'm assuming is probably the youngest contestant is she she is the daughter of Ronan Keating and she became the first celebrity to be voted off Dancing with the Stars uh, last night. Do you think she deserved to go home? I certainly didn't. I thought she was a fine little dancer. She had celebrated her 21st birthday during the week. And of course, she'd been off the previous week because she had had uh, COVID and she was very tearful. You could see what this programme actually meant to her. But she was up against, in the dance-off, Erica Cody, who to me has been the best dancer since the very first day. She's somebody who just really has good natural rhythm about her and really has taken to dancing so well for somebody who'd never trained in dance before. So I really was taken aback. Now, you know, there's, there's others there who are improving. Gráinne Sjóigá is certainly improving. Uh, Aslan's guitarist, uh, Billy McGuinness, is just loved, I think, by the Irish people. Is he, ever, is he a dancer? Was he better then uh, Missy Keating, I mean, looking at it last night, I certainly didn't, didn't think so. Nicholas Roach, the cyclist, to me, is very stiff on the dance floor. I can't, don't, don't I sound like an expert, I've got two left feet, but, but you know when you're watching it, uh, he just seems very stiff. He seems like a lovely guy, but again, I think because the judges are kind of picking on Nicholas Roach and Karen Byrne, his partner, who has won previously this competition, uh, with uh, Nathan, uh, Jake Carter she rushed to his defence and of course we all love an underdog so I don't know whether it was been the underdog gave him the extra points last night or not but anyway if you watched it I, do, do you think Missy Keating deserved to go uh, last night or is it just a case that that's what we do with all of these competitions in this country we have a tendency to vote for the people we like rather than the skill that they are bringing to the programme your thoughts welcome to John Paul taking your calls zero eight one eight one And let me stay with television for a a moment because this, to me, is a must-see TV programme tonight. It's a documentary about Vincent Handley and it's 35 years since Vincent Handley uh, passed away in 1987. It's hard to believe that it's 35 years and actually... I think people will watch this program tonight, and people under the age of forty. Because I was I was talking to John Paul, in the office before we came on air, and I was saying oh, I'm really looking forward to the documentary on Vincent Handley tonight. And John Paul said, "Who was Vincent Handley?" And I suddenly realised that will be. A lot of people watching this programme tonight who won't even know who Vincent Handley was. But I think for certainly people under the age of 40, I think it would be a good insight into what this country was like at that time. And it's been described as a deeply personal Documentary about Vincent Handley. It's called Vincent Handley Sex, Lies and Videotapes. And it has been put together by producer and broadcaster and gay activist Bill Hughes, who was a very good friend of Vincent Handley's and actually worked as a producer on the MTV show they used to fly over to New York film the film the pieces with Vincent then he'd have to jump back on a plane and fly home and bring it to the editing suite and have it ready for the following Sunday so this documentary tonight tells the story of their uh, friendship but also obviously tells the story of what happened to Vincent his life and ultimately his tragic death from AIDS in 1987 and it is set against the backdrop of an Ireland that was in the throes of a devastating AIDS uh, crisis, and at, at and at a time when it was still illegal to be gay, I think it was nineteen eighty four before it was decriminalised. So you had all the secrecy that was attached to people who were homosexual and hiding it. And and Vincent, I mean, in front of our eyes, people who watched watched MTV every Sunday, you could see there was something wrong with Vincent. He was getting thinner and thinner. He was constantly seen wearing sort of very woolly jumpers and big sort of puffer Jackets to try and fill him out a bit but in his face you could see how the, you know, the shape of his face how, he, how emaciated he was becoming and of course everyone was whispering and everybody was talking about the fact that uh, he was gay and that he had AIDS but of course Vincent himself was never going to admit that because he feared for what would happen if, if he did but that whole program that MTV USA which hit our screens in the early uh, 80s on a Sunday afternoon I mean it was just the highlight of the week I mean for most of us in Ireland we were two channel land we had RT1 and RT2 and Fab Vinny arrived on our TV screens on our, was on two was on RT2 wasn't it they used to show it and it was the real highlight seeing all these videos and seeing Vincent filming all these pieces live on the streets of New York it was such an exciting programme and he really was living the life but he was just 33 when he passed away and he was such a talented broadcaster and he would I mean I think because I know in one of the I heard a clip from one part of the documentary tonight and it's him being interviewed by Pat Kenny, and look Pat Kenny still today is doing his radio programme and you know I think that if Vincent Handley had uh, lived I think he probably would still be a fine fine broadcaster uh, today so that programme is on tonight on RTE1 follows the news doesn't it yeah Um, RTE1 uh, tonight at 9.35 to me a must watch Vincent Handley Sex Lives and uh, Videotapes Jenny says why do all of the men always do well on Dancing with the Stars even the men that can't dance they always seem to be the last to be voted off it always seems to be the girls and I agree with you Patricia I don't think Missy Keating deserved to go last night I felt that the Aslan guitarist Billy McGuinness while he comes across as a lovely guy is not a good dancer that's from Jenny and Margaret said I also thought Missy Keating didn't deserve to go home last night even though I liked Grania Shoiga I felt she should have gone in my humble estimation that's from Margaret thank you for your text to 0862 103. Now Bernard has been on to us this morning and says, Patricia. When can we stop wearing face masks in shops? The reason I asked was I thought it was coming in today, but I was asked to put one on in my local shop this morning and they said it is still law. It is, it is still law. And Barnett said, I thought I heard the Taoiseach say it on Friday. You did. What you heard the Taoiseach say on Friday was that the government would be accepting all of the advice that had been supplied from Neffet. That advice came to the government last Uh, week but they now need to sign off on it last week Neffes met we believe now for the last time and they recommend it that the mandatory mask wearing could be lifted in all retail, all shops and all indoor public settings. They also said it could be lifted in public transport. They won't have to wear them in taxis. They're also saying staff and hospitality sectors who are continuing to wear them, they'll no longer by law have to wear them. And it's also been suggested by uh, Neffet, that we remove all of the public health measures in early learning centres like your creches, in primary and secondary schools. That would include removing physical distancing in schools, the use of pods that are in schools at the moment. That would all be gone and mask wearing would be gone in schools uh, as well. And of course, obviously there is talk that Nefert are going to be wound down. And there's also talk at the weekend that PCR testing Will going forward will mostly be for people over the age of 55. Anybody under uh, 55, if you get COVID, you won't be able to get a PCR test to confirm it. Now, I don't know if they're going to suggest that you continue using antigen tests and whether you'll have to buy your own antigen test to find out if you've COVID or not. We're going to have to wait for more detail on that particular one. So what now happens is... The three coalition leaders, they confirm they—they meet today. So then at that meeting, they will confirm their position. And then they, a memorandum then will be brought to government tomorrow that obviously will be brought by the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. And then the new measures will have to be signed off on by the government when they meet tomorrow. And it is expected that they'll come into force on the 28th of February, which is next Monday. Although the chief medical officer has said that mask wearing on public transport should still be advised. So that it'll just be an advisory, but it won't be mandatory. And I don't know. I think you either make it mandatory you don't make it mandatory because I think that will just cause so much conflict for people on buses and on trains. You're going to have some people who are not going to be happy about sitting beside somebody who's not wearing a mask and if it's only advisory then the person not wearing the mask is quite within their rights not to wear it. I think you either decide it's it's mandatory or it's not and then obviously if it's not mandatory people who are nervous about travelling on public transport and sitting beside somebody who's not wearing a mask it will be their choice not to go on the bus or train themselves but it's not coming in until next week Next week at the earliest that's once it gets signed off but it is expected to get signed off tomorrow. Will there be slight tweaks to it? Only time will tell because certainly at the weekend I listen to a lot of commentary at the weekend from various government, from people in opposition, I listened to people involved in different unions and there's a nervousness about just suddenly next Monday morning, everybody heading out into the world, and all of the restrictions gone and when we 've had the bulk of the restrictions been removed, there was a bit of nervousness about that, but I think people were still comfortable with the fact that pe- that you know people were wearing masks to have the masks and the social distancing gone, I think will come with a sense of nervousness by a lot of members of the general public, and certainly any vox pops that I heard there seem to be a lot of people saying I will continue to wear my mask certainly for another few months maybe, you know, get out of the one of some bad weather now over the next uh, couple of weeks and maybe wait until summertime and maybe then people might feel a bit more relaxed about heading in somewhere without a, a mask being worn but as of now it is still mandatory to wear your masks in all indoor public settings in retail on public transport in ta- in taxis and of course in schools but schools are all on midterm so it could well be that when the children go back to school next Monday the pods will be gone the mixing in the playground will be gone and they will be able to go into classrooms without masks on. 0818 103, 103. John Paul taking your course. You can text our WhatsApp 0862.
2: 103
3: 103 Court Today
2: on C103
4: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie
3: Pat and Femoy who's to the programme and it reminded me of something that I should have mentioned when I was talking about the three storms we had Dudley we had Eunice and then we had Storm uh, Franklin and let's uh, all remember it was Storm Eunice wasn't it the clean up after Storm Eunice the council worker that went out to work, left his family, thought he'd be going home that evening and he was killed uh, while clearing away the storm debris. Patton Fomoy said it really got him thinking that there was that man and indeed other council workers from all over the country who went out in the aftermath of the storm, all went out just to do their job. And uh, he said at the time that everyone was talking about the 1,000 euro, you know, the COVID bonus payment that's going to uh, healthcare workers and some other workers. When that whole debate was going on, Patton from says, did we once ever hear about council workers saying that they were entitled uh, to it? Because at the end of the day, council workers were very much frontline workers and they were out there during, throughout all of the pandemics, but they go out in all kinds of conditions, particularly conditions like we had after the cleanup of the storm. And the man, he was a gentleman by the name of Billy Kinsella. He was a father of one and he was clearing debris from a road. And oh, this is just a complete coincidence. It was actually close to his home in County Wexford and they were clearing away one tree that had come down when suddenly another tree Came down. It was the, the kind of the aftermath of storm Eunice, Eunice and tributes have been paid to the to, to Billy. He was a fifty-nine-year-old. Father of one and an employee of Wexford uh, County Council. And, and it's just absolutely shocking. And I saw actually a lot of our own councillors come out and pay tribute to him. And, and I know people in the area were absolutely devastated, you know, and passing on their sympathies to his wife, Rita, and their only child, uh, Billy. And he was killed in the line of duty, outdoing council work and attending to the scene of a fallen uh, tree and to think that he died just around the corner from where he lives i suppose makes it all the more tragic and by all accounts a well respected man hard from a hard working family and he was a fi- he was described as a quiet family man who was devoted to his son, who he brought to sporting events uh, all over the county. And actually, his son Connor plays for the under twenties Wexford team, and will be heavily involved in GEA like uh, Billy uh, was um, before. I'm so so sad. So yes, we extend our deepest deepest uh, sympathies to Billy Kinsler's family and indeed to everybody in. Wexford County Council. It must be dreadful for the other workers as well. And I'm sure that when the news broke about what had happened to Billy, that our own council workers here, our own county council workers and our city council workers who, when that news was breaking, were all out doing their own work and just hoping that they would all get home safely. So, Pat, you you are right. They are kind of it's kind of some of the unsung heroes, aren't they? Of they, they go out in all kinds of conditions and they're there, you know, late at night when there's a frost forecast and, you know, there are gritting roads, etc. They, they do amazing work. They really do. And they are they are certainly very much frontline workers, but, but they were not mentioned for that COVID uh, bonus. Uh, thank you for your call. Uh, Passed to oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. John Paul continues uh, to take those calls. Now, according to experts, there appears to be no respite for consumers as price hikes threaten to pump up household heating bills, drive petrol closer to €2 a litre and increase the price of common foodstuffs from bread through to margarine in the coming weeks. The Consumer Association is calling on the government to monitor price hikes to make sure that unjustified increases don't occur. Dermot Jewell of the Consumers Association joins me. Good morning to you, Dermot. Morning, Patricia. Nice uh, to be on. Thank w- you. Well, always a pleasure to speak with you. You feel some sort of agency should be set up to monitor prices. Tell me what you're thinking of.
5: Even on an interim basis, to explain, um, I, I, I don't think there's been a situation in so many years where consumers are so unaware of what are, what the price of, of goods and services are because they're, they're increasing with regularity. Um, and there's there's everything is being... Described in terms of percentages, and it's becoming a problem. Um, the idea to shop around has always been there, and it, it's not to say to people, but that people that that has eased off to a degree where most people have one place they go to, and that's it, and they're happy with it. But um, there, there, there there does appear to be a situation ongoing whereby, for example, because we and I'm not going to go into the history of things, but because there's no price control, if you like, in Ireland. Literally, any store can sell anything it likes for any price it likes. Um, and that means either selling it at way below cost or at whatever price they deem to be f- appropriate at the time. So. It's difficult for consumers to, to find that. And years ago, there was a lot of price comparisons. Um, we were doing it in the association and on a basic basket. Um, others were doing it between the north um, and, and the south here, for example, and, and um, the UK and, and our good selves. Uh, it, it, all of that has fallen aside. So we're making the point that in the absence of an independent review, it would help. If even on an interim basis, some system was set up. Now the government will come back to us and say, "Well, hang on a minute. We have got the consumer price index, and we look at this every month. We acknowledge that, but everything that comes out of the consumer price index is is, is returns to you and I and the listeners in what is a, an average price. So, for example, and I'm only picking it out at random, the average price of a pint is apparently four sixty-three. But there are some parts of Ireland where that would be a miracle." To achieve in in, in what yeah, you pay, yeah. so it's it's average pricing doesn't work. It needs to be a, an approach to real pricing. And whilst I I love the side of competition that has suddenly appeared in in the in the petrol and diesel market, because it was certainly I can tell you only in 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 and around the Dublin area there was there was no price fluctuation almost between petrol stations. Now there is, which is interesting. But in food um, and certainly in 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 the way. Other elements of pricing are increasing in goods and services. There does need to be, if nothing else, a better level of information given to consumers and, 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 I opposed to go out and do it yourself. You've
3: reminded me of something that I'd forgotten about. That, that I don't know if it was a weekly or monthly where the basket of kind of the stables of the food were taken and all of the various, and at the time now we wouldn't have had the Littles and the Aldis, but the bigger supermarkets and we'd, we'd find out exactly what was the difference in price between the basket of goods.
5: Uh, absolutely, this was it, and it, it helped a lot. Now, the interesting thing is there was a there was a basket of food prices carried out recently. They uh, and it was carried out by the the, the the independent. They used our basket and they carried out their price surveys. And in it, it, there, there, there wasn't a, a massive pr- price Difference. change or alteration. Yeah. But one of the points that was made to me that they did notice at the time was tea was on offer. On that particular week, at a significantly reduced price, and that significantly reduced the cost of the basket of food.
3: It was on a special offer.
5: It was a special offer, yeah. and it was a special offer for a week, yeah. and that skewed the value of, of the basket yeah, or the cost, yeah. if you like. And that goes on a lot. So the point I was trying to make is, if somebody, if if anybody, and I used to always say, "Sure, go out and shop around." it 's next to impossible to do that because the prices have changed on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis it's it 's becoming a problem, and it 's not all the the, the, the the fault if you want to call it that of the of the supermarkets or, or the businesses selling goods and services it 's the fact that um, they are are receiving various increases on a, an interim basis i mean I was just reading a a, 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 a situation there in the u s where one of the biggest problems they have is that the cost of packaging has gone through the roof. Now you don't see that in in the in, in the food you're buying, but if the package of it is costing an, a, a massive amount of an increase, then that's very hard to track.
3: That has to, and that has to be passed on.
5: And it has to be passed on, and it will And then, of course. We're on an island. We've said this many times. Most of this, this, the food we want, um, if we're not growing it locally, and we can't, um, it's, it's dropped into us. And the cost of doing that has gone through the roof. So, and, and continues to fluctuate. So, it's not easy. And as I say, that was why we're not saying it's easy. And we're not sure how it would be done. But some form of a a system to put in place, even on a short-term basis, would help. Just to and get
3: and in, pre- in previous times when we had inflation, uh, you know, the way it's on the rise uh, at the moment, was there evidence of price gorging?
5: Although was. I mean, you—you, you, it, it, it became a situation whereby that's where the, the rip-off Ireland term started to come around because there were prices where they were just, they made no logical sense. And one particularly um, that, that was big at the, the time was where we brought in goods from the UK. Now, we have a problem now because trying to compare a price and, and suggest that it's a rip-off is not fair in the sense that the cost of Brexit alone in one way or another, uh, through through delivery, through uh, container costs, through transportation alone and fuel now. Um, is very, very volatile, and it's really hard to, to, to figure out, although there are people starting to look and say, hang on a minute, it's £2, and we're paying €4.50, why are we doing that? And it, it's, it's, there's, there's no explanation for it. You're getting a basic answer, which is, well, it's the cost, of, it's inflation, and it's, it's, it's this and it's that, but it's not telling you why it's gone up specifically. There's no breakdown.
3: Yeah, and of course, with petrol and diesel prices rising, they're almost going up on on a daily daily basis. That means that the knock-on of that is delivery costs are going up.
5: Yeah, very, very much so. And, I mean, there's an awful lot being put out there about that consumers are really enjoying buying online, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they'll get the, their um, their groceries delivered. Yes, they may be, but that's that was because of a particular situation. It is going to change. People do need to get out. They are going out, and they need to understand. Now, in fairness to the, to the average consumer, I, I have a lot of trust in them. They quite quickly will get up to speed. Um, but it's it's going to take at least uh, the next month to figure out exactly that's what that cost last week that's what it's costing this week so may, maybe we we were jumping at the time but we the, the, the every single expert you, 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 you listen to is saying, these prices are going to keep rising for the foreseeable future. And if that's the case, then we really have got to become alert to prices because budgets can't handle it. And I I suppose I'm really you, we've really been concerned about the, the reality of anybody trying to buy either for themselves individually, which has always been a challenge because it's expensive to buy just for one person mm-hmm. because you, you're not able to buy a veil of offers of buying two for the price or three for the price of two should you throw out half of it but it's it's a challenge and that's why I say something on a regular weekly basis would help a guide
3: and, and another cards. thing we need to keep an eye on is uh, I, th- I think you, I, saw, I heard you once uh, t- talk about it shrinkflation well, you're buying yeah. something and there's less in the package than there was before
5: yeah, and that, that took hold quite some time ago, and there's no question it is starting to happen again. Um, where by what I mean is, you're buying the package; and it, it looks exactly the same as it always did. But when you open it, there's far less in it in terms of of content. Um, and most people look at a price, they look at a box, they don't necessarily think immediately. God, I have to now look at the the, the what what is the the total weight and content um, in this? So you see it a lot in chocolate. No one bar is the same size. You see it a lot in, um, in um, areas of, of um, creams, um, crackers, a variety of areas like that, um, and as somebody pointed out to me over the weekend, there the amount of air in a packet of your average. <laughs> is, <laughs> is
3: <laughs> <frightening>. <laughs> And certainly, the, the, the tins of sweets at Christmas—they started that a few years ago. At one stage, they were like one point five kg tins, and the yeah. tin looks the very same. And suddenly, they're down to below point five of a yeah, kg, and, and you still see you still seem to be paying the, the same amount. And I was watching a couple of people, a couple of Twitter feeds over. The weekend, uh, the electricity bills are starting to drop. Some of them are just astronomical. That's causing big shocks uh, for families, Dermot.
5: It is. There's no question. And <clears throat> I know, I know. There's a, there have been suggestions on how to do how to reduce your out, your output and what you're using, and you know, knock off lights and unplug things it it needs more than one message. This is something that needs to be, you know, actually on T V just after the news and elements like that to just say, look, let, let's make you aware, the cost of electricity, the cost of gas is frightening the eye. Here are here are must-dos, here are suggested ones if you can, and it, it would help a lot, literally a public notice and advisory on, on what to do, because more than ever now, literally more than ever with the inflation rate being the highest in 20 odd years, we were not plugging in every charger and and, and the laptop and you know electrical device that we could imagine um, at that time and we are now and it costs money and the more they're just left in um, to all intents and purposes they're they're burning um, quietly burning
3: away there I mean I know the government recently announced the cost of living uh, supports could they have gone further?
5: A little bit, but I must say, I I don't don't want to bash up government because this came out of the blue at the end of a horrendous system of COVID. Um, And, you know, everybody's trying to catch up, and I can appreciate where they are. I just do think, and it's not to say that smaller bodies for... For for example, elderly people alone, et cetera, et cetera, and, are, are not helping. But families need support, and they need advice. And, and you, you can only tell your children so many times to turn off something. If you can point to a screen and say, see,
3: I'm not making this up, it helps. You know? mm, yeah, yeah, good point. Listen, as always pleasure to have you on. Thank you for that, Dermot. Take Take Thanks care. for joining bye. us. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to oh eight six two. 103 103.
2: Cork today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: As we mentioned on the programme on Friday, the temporary COVID downgrading of all national driving licence services at the NDLS offices right across the state has now been made permanent. With many of our listeners shocked and upset about the changes, which of course will affect all of the three Cork offices. Offices Independent Clare TD Michael McNamara says the decision is blackguarding the elderly. And Deputy Michael McNamara joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Patricia. And you're welcome. So it's the walk in service that was available prior to the pandemic that's been discontinued. How important do you believe that service was?
6: Well, I believe it was hugely important, because the alternatives are to go online and book a slot, or to go online and uh, renew your um, uh, driving licence, but to go online to renew your driving licence, you need to have a public services card, and that's notwithstanding the fact that the Data Protection Commissioner did an investigation into this and found there was no lawful basis to require a public services card for any state service other than social welfare, or to ring in. Now, the reason I raised it was because I I thought difficulties in booking slots was unique to Claire. I had a, a, a very elderly, Constituent who told me that she had been 90 minutes a full hour and a half on the phone trying to book a slot and wasn't successful so my office rang the the dedicated number and it's been 45 minutes uh trying to book a slot and then had to hang up. You know, so if you can't book a slot, um, uh, you know, if you can't walk in, you have to book a slot, and if you can't book a slot, well, that leaves people in a very difficult position. Um, Of course, online services suit some people. I mean, uh, I can book an online slot, but there are many people uh, across society who, who can't for a variety of reasons, and this disproportionately affects the elderly because, you know, you can renew your driving license for 10 years until you reach a certain age, but you can't if the 10 years brings you over the age of 70 you can't renew it for 10 years anymore you've to renew it more often so therefore people um elderly people are um the uh, I, I you know some people take offense at of that word people uh, are um all Your older listeners won't be able to book it every once every 10 years. Yeah, it's,
3: it's and go, when we started talking about <clears throat> it on, on Friday, like we had some of our older listeners contact us, and w- when we were making the point, would you have a family member that could help you out? You know, some people took great umbrage to that and said, you know, why should I have to ask somebody mm. to, to to help me out? And I know recently we had a slot with the Citizens Information Service, fantastic service, and they say that they have people coming into them and bless their hearts, they're booking it for them. But again, we shouldn't be forcing older people or people who don't have access to broadband to be doing this
6: No, exactly I mean I had a, a constituent who, who uh, did everything right but ultimately a form that hadn't been everybody both the NDLS and the constituent thought that everything would be done properly in the office but a form was sent out to him that needed to be signed he signed it and brought it back to the office and uh, was told no that they wouldn't accept it that he didn't have an appointment so they wouldn't accept it notwithstanding the fact he was just dropping in a form so he called up to my constituent constituency office and we scanned and emailed it but you know he shouldn't have to do that uh, likewise uh, they don't accept cash Now, now
3: this again, is a big bone of contention with a
6: yeah, lot of people I mean uh, I had a constituent who went in booked his appointment properly went in filled out everything and went to pay for it at the end and was told oh no we don't accept cash so he rang his wife who um, had uh, bank details but they wouldn't accept that either because the wife wasn't present uh, with him Uh, um, so you know it seems there's very little effort made to actually provide a service now when I raised this I was very surprised to learn that uh, that the minister said the walking service previously available was originally discontinued uh, to ensure social distancing and compliance with occupational and public health requirements
3: very good reasons very
6: good reasons but then she went on to say that the current NDLS contract which is put in place with the service provider in 2021, no longer offers a walk-in service. So I mean in the midst of COVID, it seems to me that this, that the COVID pandemic and what was originally a good reason for, for downgrading the service was used as an excuse to permanently downgrade it and that's a concern to me, particularly if this is um, if this is the the, the, the thin end into the wedge and there's a move to provide public services in this way. I mean, uh, many... Uh, Government and opposition TDs are very rightly critical of banks for withdrawing services and forcing people to go online. And of course, you know this idea of well, can you get a family member? Can you get a friend? Can you get a neighbour to do it? Is all well and good. But if you if you have to do that for your banking service, well, there's an inherent you know it makes you very vulnerable to fraud. And um, and you know I remember my own parents if they were on a telephone trying to uh, deal with something. I mean, they weren't able to go online. Notwithstanding, um, you know, my mother. Um, took various night courses in in, in trying to learn how to use a computer, but, you know, ultimately was unsuccessful. So, you know, you'd be telephoning, and you'd be dialed two to dial two for this, dial three for that, dial four for that, and after half an hour, she'd just give up, and, and, you know, it became, she became very exasperated by it, and, and felt belittled by it, because this was a woman who had worked all of her life, and had engaged with various state services, and indeed had provided state services, and felt kind of belittled at the end of it all, that, that she wasn't even able to talk to a human being, that's crazy. that's
3: crazy, that's and, crazy and like we and I'm assuming you're the same in County Clare we would have rural areas of uh, West Cork where you can't you don't, have, you don't have broadband Yeah, no of course So, so even, even for people that are computer savvy they can't do it They they they, they can't they have no broadband to do it
6: yeah, no, I mean it is, uh, and as I say, you go on telephone, the telephone line, and you, uh, I have direct experience of, as of, of, I say, my office spending forty-five minutes on the phone of constituents who've come in claiming to be ninety minutes on the phone, and I mean. Uh, we've, when I looked at this more closely, I found that a new contract was signed in 2021. I wasn't aware of that. I mean, a lot, of course, went under the radar during COVID, and you just wonder what else, um, what other um, government services might have in store for us once that... And it is this, it yeah,
3: it is this push to do everything online, and and as, as is, you say, yeah. the, I mean, the irony: was, governments CDs give out when banks did it, and now they're doing it themselves.
6: Well, in fairness, it was not the government TVs, but this was done. I'd say without certainly without my knowledge, and I'd say without their knowledge either. But when I researched it a bit further, I found that Unpust had uh, had had applied to provide that service. Now, you know, you'd imagine that a, a service ideally ideal for on post to provide it because, you know, in a lot of communities on post the, the, the local postmaster, the, the staff in the post office will know the majority of people there and in the case where they don't, well then they can go through the formal identification procedures the same as the, the driving licence could but they were unsuccessful and instead uh, of it being provided to on post a community-based service which the government are say they're trying to promote at least, uh, it was provided to a, a private Swiss company so I mean you know it's an essential public service but now we find that it's neither public nor uh, nor a service anymore really um,
3: Okay and just on, the, just on the just uh, on the the delays with answering the phones mm. for the people that will at least say well look I'll try ring them and make my appointment mm. is there any talks about putting more people on the phone lines? Uh
6: Well in fairness the i was surprised by how blazy the, the, the junior minister was in, in talking about the new contract but she did undertake to look into delays in the in the um telephone um pe- people waiting long time uh, you know long durations to try and get through. So hopefully that's something that would be addressed. But, you know, I'd like to see the whole issue addressed more fundamentally because I'd be very worried if this was the start of something rather than an isolated um, uh, an isolated sort of facet of providing public services. I mean, I wouldn't like to see this, uh, you know, if the whole of the provision of the various public services that the state provides if they were all to be provided in this manner that you couldn't have a walk-in service that you had to, to ring up in advance. And of course, the best way to, to not have to deal with people is to not answer the phone.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it is, it is certainly the way it's going. But I think it, in parallel, you, we have to accommodate people who can't do everything online or who, for whatever reason, don't want to do everything online.
6: Exactly. Yeah, You know, exactly. And I mean, there, there's a reason... Um, you know, there's a, there's a, you have an uh, understanding officers uh, offices in, in malice Scabrine and Cork City, yeah. uh, like this this one in Innes, but I mean, there's a reason that these offices are there. And, you know, I brought my parents into the one in Innes um, uh, uh I suppose didn't know it at the time but it was the last um, time that their license has been renewed but they got a good service at the time
3: yeah um, Yeah, and and, it's and, the, and the people working in
6: even. there well it must be very frustrating for, yeah. the, for some, some of the people working in there as well I mean um, I, I very they're great sad. staff yeah, I'm sure many of them are. I'm very saddened at, uh, at some of the reports uh, are, are in, in Ennis of, of of people leaving the office in, in distress. But, you know, it must be very difficult for the staff in okay. those offices to as work well, under absolutely. those constraints absolutely. as well. Absolutely.
3: We leave it there, Michael. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Deputy Michael McNamara who is an independent TD based in uh, Clare. Somebody said, Patricia, are the NDLS offices closing or is it just the walk-in part no it's just the walk-in service the NDLS office remains open but you've got to either book on, over the phone good luck with getting through over the phone or ideally right, they're trying to push everybody to do all of the work online but you, if you need to go in in person you're going to have to book an appointment uh, first 0818 103 103 John Paul takes our calls here you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103
2: 103
4: Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's consale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: A number of calls and comments coming in about the NDLS uh, service including a call from Fred who said uh, my wife had an appointment to go along to her local NDLS centre to renew her driving licence she needed a medical form from the GP which she got then the NDLS cancelled her appointment but she's now wondering will her medical certificate still be valid Fred said we're under the impression that it's only valid for a driving licence for a month and I I haven't I haven't heard that before uh, Fred but all I will say I don't know what age your good wife is but remember from today that the age at which an applicant for a driving licence must supply a medical report has increased from 70 to 75 so if your wife is under 75 she actually doesn't need that medical uh, cert but I'm assuming they cancel the appointment that the medical certificate should be okay if she's over 75 but maybe put a call through them and ask rather than waste your time and get to the NDLS centre which we've heard from so many people they arrive at an NDLS centre and something is wrong some part of the paperwork isn't right or they only have cash and they don't have a card and they've got to come back again and it can it can be very upsetting and discombobulating for some people and actually speaking about calling the NDLS centre Mary says Patricia Bearing in mind now what Deputy Michael McNamara said you can be an hour and a half waiting and the Minister Hildegard Nocton is going to look into they need to be putting more people on the phones particularly now if you're not allowing a walk-in and you're saying to people you must book your appointment either online or over the phones then they need to put more people on the phones to make people's appointments or to answer people's queries Mary says the 076 number for the NDLS Centre in Skibbereen cannot be answered if you ring it from your mobile a voice comes on and says This call cannot be answered at this time. Please check the number and dial again. Any help with getting through will be much appreciated. Uh, That's from Mary. Mary, I can tell you why you're not getting through. That number changed. All the 076 numbers, remember the way our telephone number, our 1850 number, they're actually all gone now and they've all been replaced by um, either zero eight. 0800 or like r one oh eight one eight. so I do have the new number for you for the NDLS it's 0818 so it's the same start as R1 700 800 0818 700 800 and actually while well, the text came in from area just did a quick look online and I actually rang the number as well just to see I rang it from a landline and it actually says that the 076 number is no longer gone it obviously isn't the same message if you're ringing from a mobile but when I went online if you google the national driving licence service for Skibbereen it gives the address of where it is and it's opening hours and closing time and all of that it still has the old number the 076 number up so that needs to be changed because that's going to cause confusion for a lot of people but the new number for the end DLS if you need to ring to make an appointment is 0818 700 800 Hopefully Mary a bit of patience you'll be able to get through but bearing in mind you may have a wait listening to what some of our calls are telling us. Somebody else says if they're getting rid of the walk-in service they may as well close it down altogether all they seem to be doing is making it harder for people to access any services in this country and then Avril is a happy camper she says morning guys I got my driving licence renewed did it online I didn't have a public services card just used my passport and utility bill I gave them my email address and my mobile number in and out in about 20 minutes I got my licence three days later in the post says Avril who is a happy camper now I'm assuming by your text when you say you did it online you booked your appointment online and then when you say you were in and out in about 20 minutes you went in I don't know what is your closest NDA office whether it's in Skipperine and Mallow are in Cork City but the difference there is if you are going in in person to the NDLS, then you don't need to have a public services card. All you need to do is bring a valid photo ID with you, i.e. you brought your passport with you. And then obviously you need proof of address, which is a bill that is dated within the last six months. But if you are applying online, which is what they're trying to encourage all of us to do, in order to apply online, you must have... A public services card and a verified MyGov ID, and that's what's catching a lot of people because there are many people who still don't have a public services card. And if you don't have a public services card, you can't set up the verified MyGov ID account, which is a bit of a. But if you're going in in person, but yeah, but once you get in, service is great, and everybody talks. Everybody talks about how friendly and helpful the staff are in the NDLs uh, offices. So that was a good service and. Avril's license back in the post within three days. Actually, talking of renewing something because we're travelling overseas for the first time in two years, trying to get you know all the ducks in a row and trying to remember what we need and what we don't need. And it was just yesterday I was at home saying, "God, we need to get travel insurance. Having to travel insurance in two years, and because I'm going to European, we're going to Spain." I was saying the E111 card. So I was checking our E111 cards and my card and Marcia's card is still valid. I think up to July or something this year. So we were okay. But Hobby's card was out of date. So I better renew that. That's a very simple system to do. But again, I've accessed online. I've got good, decent broadband. I'm not the most technical and computer literate, but I'm, I'm handy enough. But I was able to go online and within seconds I was able to Put in the details. Again, you have to have the old E111 card with the number on it and you need to have the PPS number and they say within 10 days he'll have his new card uh, out. But just as a reminder to people, if you are travelling, check your E111 if you're going to a European destination uh, to make sure that it's still in date. And then even on top of that, while travelling I'll have the E111s I'll never travel without travel insurance either so just check because if you were like me we used to always buy an annual travel insurance and obviously when the pandemic hit the travel insurance ran out and hit the cheek to send me out a renewal and I said we're not planning on going anywhere too soon you can hang on on that one so I need to get that one uh, sorted. Now also coming into us us by text Breed says Hi Patricia with regards to Dancing with the Stars last night that you spoke about earlier on in the show in my opinion the wrong dancers were in the dance uh, off with Erica and Parole Missy going home. This happens every year though. Breed said people are not very voting for the best dancers. Do you remember a few years ago when Aidan O'Mahony, he was a Garda from Kerry. He was a GAA man as well, wasn't he? When he won, he wasn't the best dancer that year. It was almost like it was a popularity competition. It's a pity to see good dancers voted off so soon. In saying that, it's a great show to have on TV at the weekend. I watch it with my mother every week and we love it. Thanks, Patricia. That's from Bree. A lot of people, it's like Strictly Come Dancing is another very popular show and it's very, it's very popular in the UK but we get it over here as well and yeah they're lovely it's just it's a kind of a nice thing to have on TV it's not too taxing on the brain and um, Breed if you're anything like me I'm at home and I'm criticising and I'm going oh was that a misstep there what did she do there oh do you know about that his back is very stiff I've become an expert at ballroom dancing watching it and I love watching the glitz and the glamour and 100% RTE have nailed the production behind Dancing with the Stars and whoever is responsible for the costumes needs to get a pay rise because I think the costumes are every single week absolutely stunning. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. A mask wearing and people wondering when will it no longer be mandatory to wear masks? It looks like we'll have another week to wait. It'll be this day next uh, week and then it'll be interesting to see how many people will literally just throw the masks away or will people continue wearing them I have a feeling certainly in the early stages I can't see people just willy nilly taking the mask off when they're particularly if you're going into busy supermarket busy retail outlet or walking into a restaurant or a bar they might be very busy I just have a feeling some people may still decide and it will be a personal uh, choice this listener says morning Patricia people are going into and left wander around supermarkets without masks already I saw it all over the weekend I'm horrified at the thought of going anywhere when the masks will be done away with and having people come up close to me. I'm telling you now says this texter I will be continuing to wear my masks. Also why or oh why are people being allowed to flick through magazines and newspapers in some shops and then they put them back on the shelf for somebody else to buy It actually puts me off buying them, thanking you. And I suppose that sums up, I don't know who that listener is. I don't know what's going on in that listener's life. But you can sense by the tone of that text that that is somebody very, very nervous about picking up COVID-19. Now, it could be themselves. They could be immune compromised. They could be, you know, have some... uh, a medical condition that makes them more vulnerable if they got COVID or they could have somebody at home that they're looking after who's very vulnerable. I saw a woman on the TV the other night. She was a kidney transplant patient and she just lives in total fear of getting COVID-19. Obviously, with the transplant patient, she's immune compromised. The last two years, their lives have been put on hold in order to try to protect her and everybody in her household is doing everything in order to protect her and not bring COVID home. And there's somebody who will, through no fault of her own, definitely be cocooning if people are out walking around with COVID-19 and not wearing masks that there are still. And remember, the pandemic hasn't gone away by any stretch of the imagination, it's still out there. We still have very high figures. Okay, people might not be getting as sick from it, but they are the healthy people are not getting that sick from it. They're just coming down. It sounds like they have a very bad cold. But then you've got to, we all have to think of and remember people who, if they get COVID-19, could end up in hospital, could end up in ICU and ultimately could lose their lives. And even though they're probably doing everything right, they've got all the vaccines and the boosters and immune compromised people even got a fourth uh, shot. But there are people and there will always be people very vulnerable to dying from COVID-19. A little bit like when we get the flu, it's the same thing. Most people will get the flu, will be very unwell for a few days and then they'll bounce back and they'll be fine. But for others, we know and it has happened in the past that the flu has killed uh, people. So, yeah, I, I sense your anxiety and your worry. But it is looking like that that's what the government are going to sign off on. But then before people start to say, what are the government do- doing? The government are taking their advice from NEFET. That's the advice that came from NEFET last week. Uh, Neffert said to the government that, that yes you can lift all of the remaining restrictions which includes the lifting of masks and it also includes inside in schools that children won't have to do the pods uh, etc. 0818 103 103 Jean-Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 C 103, 103. C-103 Jobs. Oil delivery truck driver wanted for the North Cork area. Please email careers at tria, T-R-I-A dot I-E. Avonmore Electrical. They're recruiting a trainee counter salesperson for their Mallow unit. Full training will be provided. Email breed at avonmore slash electrical dot com. Westco Windows in Ballinine. They are looking for full-time fabricators. CVs please to info at windows. dot com and business administrator required for a busy veterinary practice in Malloch. CVs to douglas at acravat.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Court Today on C103. With
4: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie
3: A teenager on work experience has been hailed a hero for performing CPR in a customer who went into cardiac arrest while he was on duty. Six 16-year-old Ross Hennessy who was a TY student at St. Coleman's College in Formoy was behind the bar in the family pub Hennessy's Bar in Mayfield when the incident occurred and uh, Ross Hennessy uh, joins me Good morning to you Ross
7: Morning Patricia
3: um, Well done to you on this it, it really is uh, terrific Now it was a customer sitting on a bar stool who suddenly collapsed Can you, can you just outline what happened? Uh,
7: yeah he went into cardiac arrest um, last Tuesday week um, in the middle of the bar just in the lounge and he was chatting with a few friends or whatever and he collapsed and he hit his head off the floor when he fell off the chair.
3: And were you the only one on duty in the bar?
7: Um, yeah I was yeah.
3: And the, but there was other people there?
7: Yeah there was yeah there was a few few around him and a few elsewhere in the bar.
3: And was it very obvious very quickly that it was a cardiac arrest?
7: Um, well we weren't sure what it was but we just knew it was serious straight away because he went he went white straight away. So um, so I rang the ambulance. That's when I rang the ambulance. Yeah.
3: And what did and what did they what did they did did they then talk you through what to do?
7: Yeah, the first the first two minutes I was on the phone. There, just I just had to let them know like um what the situation was, and then they sent the ambulance out, and then while they were on their way, they talked me through it. Then.
3: And are you are you trained in CPR? i
7: um, not.
3: <laughs> you had seen it on TV. Yeah. Was was that the closest? That's, that's so you had a rough idea what to do. Um. Yeah. And obviously nobody else in the bar trained in CPR.
7: Um. No, I didn't. Don't think so.
3: And did did you feel panicked at any stage?
7: Um. Yeah. Slightly.
3: But you had the foresight to just keep doing what was said to you over the phone.
7: Yeah. The the person on the phone was um, a very calming uh, calming influence. Kept me going,
3: like, and was telling you where to place your hands. Um, yeah. And then you had to breathe into the mouth as well, isn't it? I, again, I'm not trained. I'm I'm going by what I've seen on TV.
7: No, I didn't. I didn't have to do that. Just CPR.
3: Jo- just just in, up and down on the chest. Yeah. And it's meant to be to the song Stayin' Alive." Staying um, alive. Staying alive.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: How quickly did the ambulance arrive?
7: Um, I'd say five six minutes.
3: Oh, you you were
7: very lucky. Yeah.
3: Was that a huge relief? Yeah, it was. So what happened then? You just went back to work?
7: Um well, yeah, we the the I think he, um the ambulance or the paramedics couldn't find a pulse for a few minutes, so they had to kind of keep pumping to to find a pulse because they couldn't shift him to hospital without a pulse. So um they kept uh, they kept working away on him and eventually they got a pulse back and they shifted him to a uh, hospital then
3: he went to see you h
7: yeah, so that's that's when we uh when we got back to work then, about half an hour later
3: and do you know how the gentleman is now
7: um he was in a coma for three to four days after it happened, but then he kind of he came around in the hospital and he started talking again, but I don't think his um his um memory or any of that is uh, is very good at the moment but he's he's after coming around
3: Fantastic. and has has any member of his family contacted you?
7: Um, yeah, his daughter, Helen.
3: Gosh, OK. And the paramedics have all said, if you weren't there and did what you did, it could have been a very different outcome.
7: Yeah. Um, well, my my um, first thought was just during gambling, so that's, uh, I was just thankful they came straight away.
3: But you've saved his life, and I, I don't know, has that sunk in yet for you?
7: Um, no, I don't think so, no. no.
3: No, and and now when you look back, have you uh, have you any plans now to maybe train in CPR?
7: Yeah, the the paramedic that was there on the day is giving me and the staff in the bar a free um a free CPR course. Brilliant! So I'm looking forward to that.
3: Brilliant, brilliant. That's yeah, and it's something. It's it, and we've I've heard it mentioned before. It's something really that everyone. It's a skill we should perhaps even learn at school.
7: Yeah, I, I think it should be mandatory for. For most people in all um, all professions.
3: So anyone else who finds themselves in a similar situation, Ross, your advice is is is, is give it a go. I mean, most people would, would say, "Oh, I'm not trained. I'm not trained." But, yeah. but you stepped up.
7: It's better to just better to try and and hopefully there'll be a positive outcome. Than not try at all because there that guarantees uh, a negative outcome.
3: Okay, and please God that gentleman will make a full recovery, and he'll be back he'll be back at at the bar, as I said in the introduction you are in in t y so you want another two years to leave insert after this yeah, have you plans on what you want to do career wise
7: um maybe architecture, but I'm not hundred percent yet
3: okay, I was wondering did you want to go into the caring profession <laughs> what
7: well, well well done to
3: you well, well done, and it's it's only right that it should be acknowledged uh congratulate and does everyone at school know what happened
7: um yeah, I think so, yeah,
3: yeah. You're on midterm now, are you? Yeah. OK, well, enjoy your midterm, uh, Ross. And you really are a hero. Uh, well done. And thanks for taking time out to talk to us. OK, thank you. Yeah, uh, Good morning to you. Bye bye. Ross Hennessy uh, there. As for a young 16-year-old, I mean, I don't know. We I mean, did all the right things in calling the ambulance and knew what to do there. But to actually perform uh, CPR and whoever it was at the end of the phone line, you know, when you, when you, find yourself in that situation i know even when you watch any of the t- the tv programs where you see the people back at the base they are incredible people because you know there's a sense of panic the person on the other down the line but they have to keep that person calm which is exactly what whoever was the controller speaking with ross and uh, Talked him through what to do. And because of that, that gentleman is alive today, which is terrific. And for his family, hugely indebted to young Ross Hennessy. So congratulations uh, to him. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103
2: 103. Court Today on C103.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
3: A father and daughter comedic duo Pat and Faye Short are back on stage and touring all around the country this spring with their new show called Well which includes a night at the Glen Theatre in Bantir on Saturday, March the 5th. And I'm delighted to say that both Pat and Faye Short join me. Uh, good morning to you, folks. Good morning, Well, Kirk. Well, well. <laughs> you're, on, you're on two separate phones. Are you in the same house? Uh, we we. Think so. I think so. I think you you wouldn't yeah. know where are she is. Are you is
8: next door, you, <laughs> you can't track her down. You wouldn't know where she is.
3: So you, so you didn't meet for breakfast? No, 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 no. We
8: like to get the um, the breakfast separately and then we get the lunch together you know oh is that it yeah yeah. you couldn't be doing the full day together you know you'd be sick of each other
3: (laughs) and when when i opened it with the well i was talking about this earlier on because i'm originally from clonmel and that obviously is how we greet each other and it isn't quite a cork thing and i'm assuming that's what the well girl well yeah 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 yeah
5: it's funny i i never realized it was a clonmel thing um, because I'm, I'm from Turles, a uh, bit more sophisticated up the road.
8: And the cheek of him. Mr.
3: Oh, LA. <laughs> well, you see, we're North Riding. Everybody. Yeah, and listen, listen, there's a huge divide between South Riding and North Riding. <laughs> the posh ones were up in the North Riding. But go on anyway, your posh head on you. Did 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 did, 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 did you used to say, well? Oh, we did, yeah. Oh, yeah. And,
5: and and, and Nina used to say it as well. I know, fellas, one of the lads in the office is of Nina, but I never realised there was as much a uh, only until recently um, that it's a clam melting in a big way, yeah. And it's the way you greet someone. in very well, yeah, yeah, well. And yeah. I, when I went to Limerick first, um, I used to go well, as you just instinctively, and everyone's just go water, and I yeah. go oh, what? What are you? <laughs> I just didn't get it. They were trying to be funny. Uh, of course, a lot of Limerick people are very funny. <laughs> <laughs>
8: But I, I think, think, I, think I think now that we've named it well, I've started noticing more and more that it actually is said in Limerick, except it's it is. said like, well, love. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's different, but it's similar enough, you know, it's yeah. still there.
3: But I'm wondering, is it a generational thing, Faye? I mean, would your friends, if you were walking down the street and you saw somebody, would somebody say, well...
8: I no, definitely no. not. No, no, no. It's adapted. It's it, now as a joke. We say, "Well, love, how do you?" You know, it, it's I, yeah. it, it's not exactly the same. But I, I think yeah, the only. it's
5: very, I think it's very much temporary. So yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, it, it and, is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so we kind of, kind of take it like that. I mean, it, it's funny. We were having this conversation before. The people, like the press and the media, always look, look for a title of a show from you, <laughs> yeah. um, to, you know, to, uh, for whatever reason. And, and uh, it, sometimes what we do is like sketch shows it's all comedy sketches, characters, and there mightn't be any real relation between one thing and another. So it's hard to get a show that a uh, title that encompasses everything. So we tend to pick something that just makes us laugh. You
8: know? <laughs> <laughs> There's not that much depth.
3: Behind it, and Thank you, Faye. And, and, Thank all, you. and also one word—it's easy to remember. It is, people. yeah. yeah exactly. they, they don't have in to case get you're confused. You're on a talk
8: show and you forget. That's it. You know, that's you know. it. You
3: know. And and are you both, Patty, You're both very excited about getting back on stage and playing in front of a live audience.
5: Yeah, actually, this will be our first time together on stage. We've done loads yeah. of sketches throughout the lockdown, and we kind of started working with each other. I mean, Faye had planned to go to London and everything else, so we kind of ended up with lockdown as everyone was in the early stages. Together and back home and everything else, and we kept writing sketches and doing stuff for RT and various different TV shows. But I think the the real exciting part is because Faye's training is on stage. She, you yeah, know,
8: yeah.
5: she uh, she's uh, been in college. I let her explain all that. Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But as a result, we, we, it's kind of theatre where so we're going, and I I think Banter is one of the best venues for us to open in because there's such a passion in that. Uh, theatre uh, with uh, drama and the mm. drama groups there, yeah. con and all the gang. We've always had, well I've personally always had great fun there and I can't wait for Faye to get up on the stage. There's a great audience, great crack, great brilliant
3: vibe. Brilliant venue. It's, it's a brilliant yeah. venue. But, but Pat, if, or Faye, your dad is right. Yeah. I mean you're, you you went to college to train, you did what, yeah. F- film and drama, was it?
8: Yeah, no, so I started off in the Gacy School of Acting which is a, a theatre, you know, predominantly theatre based and then I wanted to put a bit more work into my screen acting, so I went to Bow Street um, Academy in Dublin. And I'm, yeah, so I'm I'm trained in both, but like...
5: She, geez, she's I more experienced mean... than I have.
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that now, Pat, I wouldn't say that. You learned on the job, Pat. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, out of the back of a van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll be, I'll have my experience now, but I think it's, i um, no, it is. It's, it's funny because it's kind of the first time I've been out and done a, a tour, you know, like I have, you know, all the experience down through the years from doing it as a kid and teenager or whatever. And then in college, but this is my first kind of professional gig, I suppose, um, because when it I finished exciting, college, yeah. I went straight into COVID. Mm. So but, when you,
3: but when you went into college, was it with the, was comedy always part of where you thought you saw yourself ending up or do you see
8: yourself more on
3: serious roles?
8: Um, I I. think I didn't really think about it that much um, I did. also didn't want to pigeonhole myself because they always say in, in college you know keep it open keep an open mind to it or else you'll start pigeonholing yourself and then will affects you know the roles that you get and and, and so forth but um, I think now I definitely do have a strong love for comedy but I wouldn't say no to a serious role as well you know yeah
3: yeah and uh, Pat can you outline what well is all about well, is it possible I, <laughs> it's not. <an offering. laughs> I
5: don't want to give away too much. I don't want to say too much about her obviously. But I suppose we we created these two characters—a dad and daughter character—who uh, are two musicians coming out of lockdown and get their first big gig in, in the local hotel. And uh, that's kind of it's kind of then it's the relationship between the two of them as to whether yeah. she really wants to stay at of with him, you know, or not. <laughs> it kind of comes into question, but. There's other characters there. We set it in the hotel that's kind of reopening as well. So we've got the general manager, we've got the local cleaner, and we've got the, uh, a pair of the uh, musicians team. that run the media yeah. center in it as well. And it's just the mad, the madness of all these characters. <laughs> and of course, like all shows, the audience become uh, the audience at the gigs uh, that mm. uh, are at the center, so on and so forth, are very much involved in it. So we're, you know, it's it's uh, the usual madness uh, and, and mayhem, is what I would say. And will there
8: be singing? Uh, very poorly <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing my best focus my best. <laughs> We wouldn't focus too much on it
3: and, and the audience Do you pick on the
8: audience? Well we
3: uh, we never I've never picked on an audience Pat you life. have <laughs> Darling you have
5: <laughs> I go down and I talk to them
8: <laughs> Very kindly Very nicely <laughs> We will be
5: We will be embracing the audience Is what I'd say Yeah Oh, well, see look, it? I tell you, Trish, it won't be like the NDL whatever century you were talking about earlier on on the show. If you come along to it, you get to meet
3: someone. Oh yes, yeah. in, in, in person. It's always the dredge. Don't sit in the front. Don't sit in yeah. the front row. And, and we
5: will take cash as well.
3: yeah <laughs> So, do you write the shows together, or what's the how? What's the process for writing the shows?
8: Yeah, we wrote the show together, um, kind of throughout lockdown, and um, we went in. We have an office. Well, Dad has an office in. Um, In Limerick, so we went into the office kind of most days during the week and wrote it together. Um, Yeah, and then wrote separately as well, I
5: suppose. I I suppose the process you'd call it is workshop, isn't it? Where we get up and work out the characters, work out the writing, work out the gags and work out the scenarios and the scenes and have fun with it uh, and rehearse and rehearse. So we're kind of in rehearsals at the moment for the last two weeks to go.
3: Okay. And, and and how do you know if it's funny? Is it if, if it makes you yourselves laugh? Do you know what I mean? You I don't. always wonder when, when I see how comedy, how do you know that, that you're going to get the laugh at that moment oh, in time? I don't. I
8: don't I'm still uh, like, you don't?
3: <laughs> I mean,
5: the first show is always the biggest fear because, you, you know, you look, you trust your instinct. If it makes you laugh, it's funny. Um, the problem is you've rehearsed it a hundred times and it doesn't seem funny anymore so you really have to trust your instinct yeah. and that's, that is the thing with, with, with comedians and comic theatre uh, which is more like what we are we're more like comic theatre than, than stand-up well we wouldn't be stand-up but uh, you do, look it makes us laugh it's fun I, I suppose I'm long enough at Game at this stage, I do have an instinct to what audiences like and what they think is funny, and I, I, I think this show is really funny.
3: <laughs> and you, <laughs> but, aud- with- but your audiences vary. What what would make somebody belly laugh in the Glen Theatre and Tier mightn't have the same reaction in the middle of Dublin City, for example.
5: Well, funny enough, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, it can vary. It can vary audiences, and then often what happens sometimes it's night fairy I mean you might have a Sunday night show mm. and everyone's going back to work on Monday morning and they're not really letting themselves go was you have a Saturday night or a Friday night. Different audience. Different audience. They're out yeah. the crack. And they, there's no, they're going on after they and you're so they're going to keep the night going. <laughs> You <know>? going. <laughs> so there's all sorts of factors that would affect why people will find what you do funny or not. Um, you'll find always there's some people that are into what you do and there's always people that aren't, you know. Yeah. You yeah. might have a group of 10 and maybe two out of the 10 are there with a gang and they might be, they might like it, but they might be hugely, and the person two seats down for them is nearly busting the gut. So it's, that's the great thing about live entertainment and live theatre getting out to see things you know mm. um I, I, and it's so great that it's back
3: it's, yeah, back it's brilliant right. it's brilliant i think we last spoke when you were doing the online the wellness yes. hour and can yes. i say i bought my ticket and i watched it and we had a great laugh at home watching oh, it it was, it was it was terrific and if the if well is anything as good as the wellness hour was that yes. online show it it was it was brilliant and that was was that did you very much lead that Faye, in and that that's where your expertise would have come in with the with the film work
8: yeah, I suppose so. But your dad's done so much for the joke as well. I know. So, um, but I suppose you know, the difference obviously between me and dad is age and that kind of comes to play <laughs> just pointing out it, the had, obviously to dad. Up, it had to come to come up it? Yeah. and also, you know I'm a woman and he's a man yeah, so that's true I'm, you know, all that has to play in the show as well you know, there's the a huge age gap and also the difference between a father's perspective and a daughter's perspective is definitely yeah. quite different okay,
3: okay. <laughs> and Deirdre O'Kane claims she passed on the uh, comic Jean to Faye <laughs>
5: <laughs> she, she babysat say one night. Okay.
8: <laughs> but <laughs> it was a ba- long night. It was a long night. <laughs> <laughs> and
5: she claims ownership
3: now. <laughs> but that is theatre. She would be like that. Yeah, and she she's one funny girl as well. Now yeah, how long yeah, does yeah. the how long does the tour run for Pat? Gosh, we're we're the
5: first leg of the tour is running up to the summer and then we we've dates up into twenty thirty three actually. Well yeah. Um, into the new year, yeah, uh, into January, February next year. So and it's it's we have a lot of interest in going to Boston with it and, and Denmark and a few other places. So I'd say it'll be a long enough tour.
3: So, Faye, you're committed to this for a while, oh, girl. Oh, I'm tied in. Oh, yeah. I'm tied up. He's keeping you at home and you're never I, leaving. He's getting his money's see, worth out of me. She has to pay
5: back the college fees. <laughs> it's an investment.
3: It's an investment. It's only paying back now. And, Pat, what, what, movie-wise and TV-wise and film-wise, what have you been busy? Yeah, I have. I have, a, I have a
5: project in development with RT at the moment and i, I finished it a fairly big movie with uh, Martin McDonagh Colin Farrell and Bernard Leeson and uh, a few more so that, that Barry Keoghan and that uh, that's going to be on release next year I'd say so uh, that was the last big one I just did and, oh I directed a short I nearly forgot last week <laughs> yes, uh, my first directing job so well that done. was great yeah so and that,
3: when, that when can we expect to see that well,
5: we'd hope to have it into the festivals in the summertime. I, I, I'm concentrating on getting the live show up and running, and then I've got to go back into the edit room with it once the tour starts and, and chop it up and, and work on it for a couple of months or so before it gets into the festival. So we'd hope to think we'll be in the you, Galway you, flowers.
3: You've been busy. Oh, Anya says, uh, hi, Patricia, hello to Pat and Faye. I'm from Thardis, and it's the tone of that well depends on who you mm-hmm. meet. So it's it's all, <laughs> right. it's all to do with the tone. Uh, hi Patricia, it's also well in Kilkenny. Uh, every time I go there and meet people, so it has moved a little bit outside mm-hmm. of Tipperary mm-hmm. uh, as well. And it is in, I'm told, some parts Of very rural Cork, particularly parts that are close to Tipperary. Okay, very north. I
6: would say. <laughs> okay. yeah,
3: yeah. All right. So the Glen Theatre and Banter, one one night only tickets on sale. Yes, yeah, yeah.
5: tickets on sale. They're nearly gone. Are they? Uh,
3: yeah, you
5: can contact dot uh, and we can send you to it, But uh, I plan—I can't, can't remember the number, Trish. My apologies. <laughs> i get very <laughs> really badly organised. I get picture,
3: John Paul to track it down. Anywhere else locally, somebody else wants to ask? Not at the
5: moment. Ah. Not, not till this summer time. I think there is more uh, gigs in, in time to call. Okay. Uh, yeah, coming in, but, on the 5th of March. This, this, this
3: one is the first one, yeah. OK, yeah. listen, well, listen, break a leg and all of that, not literally. A pleasure as always to have you on the programme. And uh, Thanks thank a million you. and we'll chat again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Pat and Faye Short. One night only, the Glen Theatre in a Farewell. You're
4: listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: You keep the radio locked on to C103 because we are doing the four play for 4K. It's your chance. One of our listeners is going to win €4,000. You're listening for four songs back to back but they must be in the correct order. It starts with Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer, Adele's Easy on Me, Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody and Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits. When those songs play in that order, Bon Jovi, Adele, Whitney Houston, Ed Sheeran, then you get a dialing and call 103 to 0818103103 will win 4,000 euro. That's the C103's foreplay for 4k. We've teamed up with McCroom Motors where your journey to electric begins with the full range of Toyota self-charging hybrid vehicles. See mccroommotors.com and stay listening to win only on C103 that's a nice nice sum of money to win ok some of your calls and comments uh, coming in to us Dennis says Patricia did you hear that the post office in Turner's Cross is closing down in two to three weeks I did spot it over the weekend and I hate to hear of post offices closing I really do because I think they play such a role in a local community and traditionally we've been talking about post offices closing in very rural areas and here we have one Turner's Cross right in the middle of the city it's closing on Saturday the 5th of March and those who collect payments from the Department of Social Protection, the your pension or whatever social welfare payment you were getting where you went in weekly and collected it, it will now instead, or it might be your monthly children's allowance, it will be transferred to the South Douglas Road post offices and uh, customers can also transfer to other post offices if they wish. So if the South Douglas Road one doesn't suit somebody, you can transfer to another post office. But I'm sure people in the Turners Cross area will be saddened to see their post office go. It's been there for many, many years many uh, years. Thank you for your text Dennis. John in Cove was listening to my chat with Pat and uh, Faye Short and he said not taken away from Pat and Faye Short but on Comedians of Today uh, John bemoans the fact of the death and the loss of Brendan Grace John says Brendan Grace was fantastic. He was the best that Ireland had. His comedy went all over the world and it appealed to everyone of all ages John says all of his jokes were clean and he never needed to use swear words. Never, you know, there was no bad language uh, contained uh, within them. And he he is saddened about the fact that we've lost the likes of Brenda Grace. In fairness, I think you could probably include Pat and Faye Short in that as well. I mean, I saw their online the Wellness uh, Hour, and you know, I don't think there's. It's it's the whole family uh, can watch it, and a little bit like when Pat started out with the Unbelievables himself and uh, John Kenny. It's that, it's that. What, certainly, for for, for dumb Believables it was that rural wit that they that they had. I, I think you could almost include them as well. But yeah, Brendan Grace was certainly somebody in a league of his own. A lot of people very saddened with the loss of uh, Brendan Grace. May he rest in peace. Willie says hi, Patricia. I recently moved from Middleton to Little Island. I'm semi-retired, so I needed to ring the Sligo pension office. To inform them of my change of address. I rang the department last Monday. I was put on hold for 38 minutes. I eventually had to hang up. Isn't that unreal? Love your show and the work that you do, (laughs) Willie. Thank you for that, uh, Willie. Yeah, it's it's just gone beyond frustrating. There was a time, I think, when it was air and air comp with the ones who were getting the worst for customer service and people were just losing the will. They were beyond so long to try and report a fault on their phone or something wrong with their bill or whatever it was. But time and time again now we're hearing of government departments where people are saying, I was put on hold, I had to wait and wait and wait and the frustration of being on hold I think if you've got a phone that you can put it on speaker so you can be going about your work while that's frustrating in itself having to wait isn't too bad but when you're actually physically sitting down with a phone up to your ear your ear is nearly melting you can feel I I can't remember who I had to ring and I was on for ages on my mobile phone and I can almost feel my ear getting hot it was just yeah it's Yeah, and I think government departments need to do something about it and particularly if we are being encouraged if they're trying to encourage everybody to do everything online or to do everything over the phone then the least they can do is make sure that if they're encouraging you like with the NDLS if they're encouraging you to either make your appointment over the phone or online then I think they need to have enough people manning the phones there will always be times where it will be busy I think do you know what I think I was on hold for AIDS Think it was something to do with one of the COVID certificates do you remember at one stage when there was mistakes with the COVID certificates and people trying to ring about vaccines or whatever and that purely was down to the volume of people trying to ring in and I accept that that there will be some services that no matter how many people you put on the phones you're never going to have enough it's a little bit like when John Paul is answering the phones here some days we'll just hit on a topic where the phone lines will literally light up and it's John Paul on his own trying to get through the calls and on days like that if we Ten people answering the phones we wouldn't be able to get to everyone so I accept that there will be times of the year or various something will happen in a department that you will see a flood of calls but overall you know if somebody is ringing in to make an appointment or like that a simple one that Willie wants to do you know change of address and needs to contact the department you would think that somebody in the Department of Social Protection will be able to answer a call in under 38 minutes for something as simple as Willie saying hi this is me I've changed my my address yeah, I can certainly sense your frustration. Thank you for your text, Willie, to 86 And this is a couple of texts in on mask wearing. Hi, Patricia, I went to the cinema last week and well done. And we need to go back to the cinema and go back to all of those and give our support to all of those venues. There was a group of six in the foyer. They were all unmasked. Most people were wearing masks inside in the cinema at the, fil- at the film but there was, and there was plenty of seats. But a couple came and sat right next to me. Now, I don't know if the couple had masks on or not, but this texture says I uh, was very much, I felt very much aware and uncomfortable that these people were sitting so close to me and I didn't have the nerve to move. That's from Ellen. Yeah, and you could have got up and moved on but i know there's an awkwardness isn't it because you're going to think the couple are going to be looking at me wondering why why i am uh, moving uh, for sure but but that's what you need to do we need to if you're in a situation that you're not feeling comfortable in particularly a scenario like that ellen where there was a lot of other seats it would have been easy to have have gotten up and, and moved maybe the next time something like that happens maybe get get out of the seat maybe just pop to the loo very quickly and then come back and go off oh, where i'm sitting and then pick a seat on your own but Yeah, if there's a lot of seats like that, I think there has to be an awareness, I think, of other people. Again, I don't know what's going on in Ellen's life, but she's a bit nervous about being too close for comfort with people with so much COVID out in the community. I think all of us, therefore, have a role to play. If you are going along to the cinema, try and particularly if there's lots of seats, lots of empty seats, try and pick seats away from somebody else because we never know what's going on in somebody else's life. It's a little bit like walk a mile in my shoes before you decide to criticise and before you decide to make judgement. So just I think all of us need to have a bit of awareness of that. It's the same I think in retail settings and supermarkets. You know the way sometimes you'll see people getting very uncomfortable if you're getting too close to them. I mean when we had the two metre rule in it was great people step back but you can already see people are getting on top of other people and you can sense a nervousness for some for some people because as i say you don't know what's happening in their lives or in the lives of others and there are people who can't wait for the masks to be removed next uh, Monday, including uh, one of our listeners. No name on, on this regular texter, though, uh, has been dead against the mask wearing and says, at least I'll be able to walk into a supermarket without being discriminated against for not wearing a mask, says this texter. I could never wear one. And obviously, there's a medical issue going on. Life goes on from next one Monday. People are very negative. And no, I think you're wrong in saying people are very, very negative. People are scared. And I don't think being scared, you can say people are being negative. People are fearful for their own lives and they're fearful for the lives of their loved ones. And that to me is not being negative. That's people just trying to be very, very uh, careful. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to
2: 0862.
3: 103
2: 103 The C103 Cork Diary
4: With Cork County Council Delivering roads and housing Community and business supports All across the county See corkcoco.ie.
3: Bingo continues in Butterfield, GAA It's on tonight, 8 o'clock start Doors will open at half past 7 They've got a jackpot big one 5,750 euro everyone is very welcome the Mallow Daffodil Day committee they're appealing for volunteers to help with Daffodil Day now Daffodil Day for this year is March 25th organisations businesses schools and individuals who might like to run a charity event are please ask to contact Noreen Doran from the Mallow Daffodil Day Committee, 087 1313 316. Some events have already been arranged, including a table quiz in Albert Lynch's Bar in Mallow. That's on the 8th of March. And there'll be a coffee morning in Hurley's Centre on Daffodil Day itself, 25th of March. You're asked to please support. And Shambani Moore bingo, that starts back tomorrow, Tuesday, half past eight, with a jackpot of 1,300 euro. And all are welcome. And Duke of Stanakilty. Are hosting their February lecture. They're doing it again via Zoom. It's on next Thursday night at eight o'clock. All the information and login details are available on dukas of Facebook and website.
2: Court today on C one hundred and three with
4: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. Cmig.ie.
3: Couple of pieces from the the paper. One of the one of the ones I read with interest this morning was. Is to do with mobile phones. Do you believe your mobile phone is listening in on your conversation? Like for example, you're having a chat maybe at home. Say uh, an example that I can use myself was last year when we were talking about staycationing and um, we were trying to decide where would we staycation and I happened to mention Kerry and saying, would well, not anywhere nice in Kerry? Any nice hotels that we could book into to get away for a few days? And suddenly within a matter of minutes I was on I think it was on Facebook. I was just scrolling through Facebook and all these ads for holiday destinations in Kerry popped up. And I was thinking, is my phone listening to me? Do they hear me say that I might be interested in going to Kerry? And suddenly Killarney was coming up and all other different places in Kerry. Well, two out of three people are concerned that they see ads for products following like that a conversation that they had about a particular uh, commodity they say ads for specific items after they discussed the topic in conversation with friends but their phone was always nearby now the concern comes despite all of the tech companies are repeatedly insisting that they never listen in on conversations and that they say they only target consumers based on their online interest and they say they are not listening in but Deloitte have done a 2022 Global Marketing Trends Consumer Survey where they asked people how they felt and they reported that a large number of consumers felt that they are being listened to and that big tech are listening in. The survey said that two-thirds, 66% of customers in Ireland found it creepy when their smartphone or their iPad or whatever tablet they're, they're using suddenly started delivering ads based on their conversations. So I'm not the only one was having a chat at home and suddenly an ad starts to pop up. Now obviously they looked at other things like um, 44% also found it creepy uh, when you get targeted with ads following an internet search while well, 29% of people found it helpful. Now I don't mind that. I mean I know if I'm going to search something online I inevitably am going to get ads but that's because I'm, you know, the browser knows when well, you were interested in that in the last hour you must be interested in purchasing it so I can understand why I would be uh, targeted but again not everybody liked the idea of getting a notification just because you looked up something like others said they didn't like the idea if they had been on a particular website looking to shop and buy something and whether they bought or not they didn't like the idea that suddenly they would be notified if there was a sale on in that particular shop again some people thought it was good Others didn't like it. And 68% said they were alarmed by the extent to which brands are tracking and using their personal data. 47% say that they had accepted that their data is used everywhere in the digital world. And that's one of the reasons when people say, oh, you know, how do they get my phone number? How do they get my email address? It's normally got to do to do with the information that we've passed on on various other websites and, and how it actually gets uh, used. But while I say and again, tech companies come out and they categorically state they do not listen in on conversations. But if that is the case, it can't always be a coincidence that you're talking to somebody about a product or going somewhere. Or there was another time uh, I was at home, again, it was to do with a hotel. And I mentioned a hotel somewhere up the country. My husband had actually heard about this particular hotel. I'd never heard about it before and I said, oh, I must look that up. And lo and behold, on his phone, it popped up a link to this hotel and again we were saying we've never looked that up online we'd never discussed it before I'd never even heard of the hotel before so yeah I I certainly would be with the 66% who do believe somehow and I don't know how it's done but they somehow seem to be listening in on our conversations does anything like that happen to you where you were chatting about something and suddenly you see an ad for it or there's an offer on where you can get it Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, 103 103 and I was delighted to see Andrew Geary mentioned in the, uh, the Examiner this morning. We spoke only with Andrew Geary on the programme last uh, Friday and according to Elaine Lachlan, the Deputy Political Editor at the Examiner, after years of campaigning by families, sign language interpreter positions have been created now to allow deaf children access to mainstream education. And that obviously represents a huge, huge win for the parents of deaf children, particularly for Andrew Geary. It's been led by Andrew Geary and his wife, Helen, campaigning on behalf of their son, uh, Callum. And they have been campaigning. I've been speaking with them about this for a number of years. And uh, Andrew has highlighted how the lack of a sign language interpreter in the classroom with Callum has meant that Callum has been denied. What he says is his, and it is his constitutional right to education and the fact that he can draw direct comparison with Callum's twin brother who is in mainstream doesn't need a sign language interpreter because he's a hearing child and they can see the difference between these two children who are born and raised in the same family and educationally there is there's there's a gap between the two of them and they know Callum is a very smart bright boy but he needs somebody speaking his language his language is Irish sign language so he needs someone in the classroom who can teach and communicate with him through his first language in order for him to learn. Now, it seems it's understood that the new Irish Sign Language Communication Support Workers Post, that's what they're calling it, it was signed off last Friday, Goodness me, on the day I was speaking to Andrew about it, the positions now will be placed on a standalone pay grade that's expected to be around €32,000. It could go up to as high as €67,000 and the roles are expected to be advertised in the coming weeks. Happy, happy days. and the problem that has arisen up to now was that people who were assisting deaf children at one stage Callum did have somebody assisting him who was proficient in uh, sign language but if you if you put somebody in as as an interpreter at the moment before this was signed into law. What happened was they were classed as an SNA and they were paid then at the scale of an SNA. But remember, these people would have had much higher qualifications, not taking away from the superb qualifications of an SNA, but they would have had master's degrees in, in, in many pla- In They would be more In sometimes they would be more qualified than needed the teacher in the classroom. And it's only right that they get recognised recognized from a pay uh, point of view. So the Sign Language Act places a statutory duty on every public body to provide free Interpretation for all statutory services and entitlements and obviously that includes education. However, campaigners have said that the lack of proper supports up to now has been has really denied deaf children their rights and it is widely known and accepted in this country that education for deaf children falls below education for hearing children and that simply is wrong and it's in the constitution that our children are uh, entitled to in education. So that is terrific news that that got signed off last uh, Friday. And uh, we, send, we send on our best wishes to the Geary family and no doubt they will be one of the first to be applying for a sign language interpreter in the classroom with uh, Callum uh, because it's, hope it's it is hope he's repeated sixth class but it is hoping that next year he will go on into first year and he'll have a sign language interpreter with him in the classroom. Happy, happy days. It's been a long, long a hard-fought battle on behalf of the Gearies and of course they're doing it on behalf of all of the future deaf children who will go through the education system. 0818 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862
2: 103 103 Court Today on C103
0: Ready to pop the question.
4: On Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
4: Nutritional advice on C103 with SoMega. Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with SoMega. A West Cork company. GoSoMega.com
3: And we're off to the health hub Times Square in Balancolic where we're joined by Annalise Drussell. Uh, good afternoon to you, Anneliese. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome to the programme. Okay, straight into questions. Susan was on. She wants you to talk about celery leaves. She said, I was reading online that celery leaves are good for type 2 diabetes. Would Annalise have any recommendations or any other suggestions to help with type 2 diabetes?
10: Okay, so I suppose there, celery is a very nutritious food overall and has got quite a few um, health benefits. One of the best health benefits of actually celery, including the leaves, is the level of potassium in there. So it's very good for kind of helping keep your blood pressure down and that will be one of the the, the main uses of it. Um, Celery seed is good for gout as well, that's the actual seeds of the celery. And then the celery leaf, like any green leafy vegetable, will be high in both potassium and magnesium. So that would be good for diabetes in a roundabout way, in the way that it would just support the cardiovascular system. What you're really looking for when you've got type two diabetes, Um, A lot of the time, the problem isn't actually that you're not producing insulin, but the problem is that your cells, for some reason, are not responding to the signals of insulin and not opening up the little transporters to allow glucose in from your blood into the cell where it's needed for energy. So the things that can help with that, the first thing I suppose to say is that weight is one of the biggest factors um, and diet. So a diet that would be very high in carbohydrates and very high in sugar and sugary foods would be a massive factor in developing type 2 diabetes. And the weight that's particularly bad is the weight that goes on around the middle. And a lot of people just genetically are very poor, at um, uh, you know, are, are very prone to putting weight on around the middle. You're either apple shape or pear shape. So losing that weight is a great uh, way to start the weight around the middle, go on to a low-carbohydrate diet. I don't mean a no-carb now, I just mean a low-carb. And the carbs that you should be eating then should be the um, high-fibre varieties, so brown bread, brown rice, brown pasta, lots and lots of vegetables. Minimize your fruits to about two two portions per day. And then plenty good quality fats in the forms of nuts and seeds and proteins like fish, a little bit of red meat, chicken, eggs. Um, pulses and lentils are absolutely brilliant for helping with type 2 diabetes as well. So they would be all the foods I would recommend. And then in terms of supplements, there's a couple of ones that might be able to help improve insulin sensitivity. The first one I'll mention is the omega-3 fats from fish oils. They are great for everything, not just type 2 diabetes, but what they do is they keep the cell membrane lovely and fluid. And if the cell membrane is fluid and responsive, it's more likely to be able to respond to signals from hormones like insulin. So you're going to need about 1,000 milligrams of the omega-3 in your fish oil supplement. The other thing that's brilliant is something called berberine. It's spelled B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E, berberine. This is also particularly good if you've developed fatty liver along with side your type 2 diabetes. Um, and that is a very powerful protective and antioxidant um, herb from the herb from a plant that is beneficial. Cinnamon on your breakfast cereal is a great way to go, but you can also take it in, um, in a supplement. And another thing is called chromium. Now, chromium is one of the minerals that's really important for the cell being able to respond to insulin. And then the last thing I'd mention is something called alpha-lipoic acid and this is very important to help protect all of the cells in the eyes and the tiny little capillaries and blood vessels that get damaged from blood sugar and that's one of the side effects of diabetes, Patricia, is cataract development and also you lose feeling to the fingers and the tips of the toes because of the damage to those little capillaries. So alpha-lipoic acid is a wonderful support for that.
3: And it is possible to reverse type 2 diabetes, Absolutely isn't it? Absolutely yeah.
10: Absolutely possible. In fact, I would I could, I would accept a challenge if somebody said, could you reverse it in 12 weeks? I would say yes, you wow. can. With wow. the right diet and with the right supplements, without a doubt, you can.
3: Okay. Um, hi, Annelise. Could you recommend something as good as Revive Active that contains CoQ10? It's a great product, but there's two of us on it in the household and we simply can't afford it at the moment. Could you recommend something else that would be a little bit cheaper?
10: So I suppose... Depends what you're looking for Patricia Actually I have to say event uh, the, the Revive Active is very expensive Because the ingredients in it Are very expensive and very good I did try to look to see Was it possible to make it up uh, For a local team here one time And um, by getting separate supplements, and actually, I didn't end up coming up with anything much cheaper and having had to have about 20 different boxes of bits and pieces around the place. So, it is a brilliant supplement because it is very good. What I could suggest there, if you're finding it a bit expensive, is maybe you don't need the full sachet. So, maybe take a half sachet each, and then one of them would actually, one box would last you both the month. Um, but if you're looking for, you see, the thing about the Revive Active, Patricia, is that there's a lot of cardio stuff in there. So, your CoQ10. In of itself, is about thirty euros to buy one hundred and fifty milligrams per month. So, um, and then there's other cardiovascular stuff in there. So, another multivitamin won't have those in there. So if you want to have it for the cardiovascular function, you could take other supplements like um, there is definitely um, heart-healthy supplements on the market that would benefit. I know that the H-factors is one of them by higher nature. Um, There's a whole pile of different ones. You could take CoQ10 on its own. And then you could take a cheaper multivitamin. If it's the multivitamin that you're after, Xylent is a fantastic alternative Biocare do some very nice general multis. We love the one here um, the um, Terra Nova multivitamins they're all food based. You can get ones for men and women and they would be much cheaper and last much longer.
3: Okay, Eileen has been on to us. Now. I don't know what she's recovering from but she's been left, uh, she described herself as being weak uh, following recent ill health. Her energy levels are through the floor. What would you recommend?
10: Probably that Revive Active Patricia yeah. or else the Source of Life Gold is fantastic as well. Either of those will work very, very well. Um, For some people who are struggling with post-viral fatigue three to four months still later, taking a high dose of niacin can also help niacin is one of the B vitamins um, it is often used actually to bring cholesterol down and one of the nasty side effects of it is that it's a called, it's a vasodilator so it actually dilates all your blood vessels and you get quite a nasty red flush it's called the niacin flush but it is wonderful for energy um, so uh, that would be another one to add if you're still struggling and other than that the source of life gold are the revive active
3: Okay and then this is on somebody losing their taste because of COVID. The taste buds have come back except I can no longer stomach raw onions if they're cooked I'm okay but I always used to love raw onions in a salad sandwich cannot tolerate them anymore why would that happen?
10: Um, so I don't know if it's because you can't tolerate the taste of them or is it it's because the taste, you can't tol- the
3: taste no, it's, of It's, it's it. the taste
10: Gosh I don't know Patricia yeah. um, that taste does change at, at, at times you know I mean pregnant one will tell you that, that certain... Um, smells that should be fairly innocuous would make them feel highly nauseous and sick. Like raw onions are quite strong. um, So it's possible that there's still maybe a little bit of inflammation around the taste receptors and they're just being overstimulated. So maybe switch to um, the spring onions for a little while and just use the green part of it. They tend to be not as strong.
3: I remember my late mother, when she was pregnant on me, she went off tea. She couldn't bear the smell or the taste of tea. And after I was born, it never came back. She was never able to drink tea really? again. Really? And she was a great tea lover. So it can happen. It certainly can happen. OK, um, where are we going next? Hi, Patricia. I have magnesium capsules. I've just realised the date on it is best before November 21. Um, and also evening primrose uh, oil which is just out of date would they still be okay to use could you ask Annalise? Yeah
10: do you know what the magnesium is absolutely fine to use is it? generally the sell by date means that at the time of the sell by date that capsule has to have exactly the right concentration that it says on the back of the pack in the capsule so they tend to sometimes maybe overfill them slightly um in case there's any degradation of the product. So the worst that'll happen with the magnesium is that it mightn't be you know, there might be ninety nine point five percent of the strength of what's in there. But otherwise they'll be actually fine for a couple of years. The evening primrose oil oils can go rancid, but if they're just past their sell by date, they're fine but I wouldn't take them a year later. Okay, all
3: right. It was like those tablets that we got, the iodine tablets, and remember they quickly went out of date and then the government came back and said, well, they don't really ever go out of date. Never, so. exactly. It's not <laughs> you can hang on to me. Really. Okay, uh, Helen's on. Uh, could you ask Annalise, uh, please, any suggestions to help me? I'm getting repeated kidney infections leading to yet another course of antibiotic. Any advice, please?
10: Absolutely, and that's the awful thing about kidney infections is that um, often taking the antibiotic will set you up for the next one nearly because we have a whole load of healthy bacteria in our whole urinary tract that help crowd out the bad guys. Now, it's very common as well for women of a certain age to start getting more kidney infections because the tissue of the bladder becomes dry and thin. Um, that will be postmenopausal. So if, that, if you're of that generation and that age group, I would certainly take something like... Um, Um, the omega-7, the sea buckthorn oil to keep that tissue nice and healthy and moist and that then will make you less prone to getting kidney infections. And then the standard thing that we recommend here is D-mannose powder, which prevents the bacteria from kind of being able to stick on and multiply the bad guys. And then um, cranbiotics, which is a probiotic of the good bacteria and cranberry extract in there. And if you have a kidney infection, we say three times a day. And if you're in between you go on a maintenance program of once a day. And I'd stay on that for about three months until the kidneys are well and truly healed. The other thing we can recommend as well is the Dr. Deelish-Claire does a cystone um, remedy, which is a, a, like it's a herbal uh, remedy with all the different things to support the health of the kidneys and the urinary tract. And it's absolutely brilliant. So you might want to add that if you're in the middle of a kidney infection, trying to stave it off, before getting an antibiotic, Um, and then afterwards you can just drop that and continue on the d manos and the crambiotics.
3: Okay, hi uh, Patricia. Question for Annalise, please. My son, who is in his 20s, is losing his hair, thinning very much on the top of his head. Is there anything he can do to take now which would slow it down or, the best of all, stop him balding completely?
10: I suppose it depends the kind of baldness that it is. So there is actually an increased incidence of hair loss after COVID and after Whoa. COVID vaccines. It's very common at the moment. So we're seeing a lot of that with men and women. And what we're recommending there is, of course, of biotin and zinc to try and help get the hair growing back again. Um, the other thing that's great for hair loss is the Norcran. We get good results with that consistently. It's quite expensive because it's a patented marine protein, but it can help kickstart hair follicles back into the growth phase again. So uh the, the biotin is great, the zinc definitely and then the norecrin is another one I'd highly recommend and with the norecrin you probably want to do it for about three months before you know whether it's going to work or not. And if none of those work then unfortunately it's just male pattern baldness and there's there is a medical route that you can go. There is something called REGAIN, R E G A I N E, and I think you probably need a prescription for the high strength one um, from your doctor. And that's the only thing I think really works against male pattern baldness.
3: Yeah, sometimes if it's just in the family, it's in. It's in. So it's to look to look to parents and or uh, parents and grandparents. hereditary gene.
10: it's often carried on the, the female gene as well, Patricia. Yeah. So it's looking at your uncles. Okay. Yep.
3: Now, worried mom. My five-year-old is recovering from COVID. He didn't have it that bad, mild enough symptoms, but he still has absolutely no appetite. Uh, nearly three weeks after he was diagnosed with COVID, he was always a great eat- eater. I can physically see that he's losing weight and I'm very worried.
10: Okay. Very, again, quite common, Patricia. And zinc is another one that, now, we still don't understand this post-COVID. It is a very, very unusual sort of an illness um, and type of virus. So but I do know that like zinc is a massively important one in terms of immune system function. It's very important for taste and it's very important for appetite. So that would be the first thing I I'd ch- I I'd do there. And the other thing is probably maybe an iron tonic because again iron can drop low when your system is fighting a viral infection. Um, and iron would be another important one for appetite. So get a tonic that has both zinc and iron in there, and hopefully that will bring the appetite back. And in the min- in the meantime, if there's a lot of weight loss, make up nice foods like, you know, smoothies. You can get high-calorie foods into a smoothie because you could make it up with a tin of that thick coconut milk and put in an avocado. And then you could put in lovely chocolate spread um, and just make it tasty as for a, kind a, five of a year old, for
3: them yeah, and yeah, and, that. and get calories in that way. Gerrit says, on the Source of Life Gold that you've mentioned, is it okay to take that if you're taking l uh, for uh, underactive thyroid with regard to iodine content?
10: So there are some greens in there and there will be a little bit of iodine in there. I mean, it depends how long you're going to take it for, Patricia. I think for a month it should do no no harm really whatsoever, but it's maybe not something that you need to take long-term. But if you do need Source of Life long-term to keep your, your energy up, there's something else going on there as well. So that would be more important to get that sorted. So I think for a short-term tonic, it's probably absolutely fine. You always take your thyroid medication away from other medication, from everything else. So you take it first thing in the morning and wait at least an hour before you take anything else. And it shouldn't really have any major impact. The only thing I'd worry about with the source of life is that there is a bit of ginseng in there. So if you have high blood pressure, not if you're on a blood pressure and it's controlled, but if you've got uncontrolled high blood pressure, it can drive it a bit higher. So for people who have uncontrolled blood pressure it's not suitable
3: yeah I, I have to say I take I take Althroxone for underactive thyroid and I've taken the source of life gold whenever usually when I'm recovering from something and I've never had any side effects to it so I, I find it fantastic
10: it should be f- yeah. absolutely fine Patricia yeah. okay have a lovely week and we're will talking could I just very briefly mention sorry HealthFest I should have said this at the beginning HealthFest yeah. Cork is um, nutritional therapy Um, of Ireland we get together every year and we do a sort of a very low cost event for the public and this year it's back again it was so popular the last time so get your tickets early it's on the 6th of March at 10 o'clock in the Radisson Little Island Hotel and there's a whole load of different speakers really good quality nutritional therapy speakers and it's 2220 on Eventbrite I don't have tickets you have to go on to eventbrite.ie it's HealthFest Cork and everyone's welcome
3: Okay good luck with it and we'll talk to you next Monday Thanks for Thanks uh, Annalise that's Annalise Dressel of the healthhubstore.com uh, and she'll put up as heard on the radio on her website later on
4: Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter Better nutrition Better health with SoMiga a West Cork company Go Somega dot com
3: and a couple of your comments coming in before I let you go. Uh, Kira in Watergrass Hill. This was on. Are your phones? Are our phones listening to us? Kira says. Absolutely agree with you, Patricia. It's happened to me. I was talking before Christmas when out with the girls about handbags. The next day, lo and behold, on my Facebook feed was ads for the very same handbags that I was discussing. My friend worked in Apple in America before, and he told Kira. He told me. Kira says. I'm not hundred percent if this is true but he said our phone mics are always on and they pick up keywords and then input the keywords into the search engine so when you type in a product on Google you'll see the ads and similar if you've been talking about it and it picks up on keywords so uh, she reckons that they are listening to you but they're not really interested in your gossip even though all of the tech companies deny that they do it she's convinced that they do Ger says one day I was chatting with a friend uh, when the person I was chatting with a friend when the person who was sitting next to us at another table her phone started saying hey Google uh, can you help with whatever word I had said her phone thought I had said hey Google it was freaky and it was also a little bit embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> says Ger. And then someone by WhatsApp. This is a new one on me. Gerard. Thank you, Jared, for this. Hi, this team. And Patricia, re-internet tracking. The amount of personal data that Google store on all of us is huge. I've been using DuckDuckGo browser for the last two years. It was founded with privacy in mind and it's quite good. Google works particularly well for local search searches, but for everything else, it's DuckDuckGo. And I had never heard of DuckDuckGo. So I did a quick Google search and DuckDuckGo is an internet search engine that emphasises protecting searchers' privacy and avoiding the filter bubble of personalised search results. DuckDuckGo does not show search results. Uh, so there you go if you, want to, if you want to take a look at that DuckDuckGo.com it's a new one on me thank you Gerard uh, for that and also in there was one other one I wanted to bring you this is from Leonard who says I'm in my 50s don't consider myself old well able to operate online but I noticed that my mother's public services card was out of date so there's a number on the back of the public services card I rang it it was an 1890 number and of course since the 1st of January those telephone numbers now are all obsolete. However, when I rang the number, I got through to an answering machine which says this number is no longer valid. But the answering machine never provided us with the new telephone number that I needed to ring wouldn't you think that they would at least put that up on the answering machine absolutely the new number for the public services card is 0818 927 99 that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara Nick Richards with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow at 10
0: Court Today on
2: C103
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Sale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to see MIG